Are you a solopreneur with branding questions? Do you have shiny object syndrome and want to do it all? Are you having a hard time connecting the dots of your life branded business? You said yes to any of these questions. GCB is inviting you to be a featured guest on an ABA or Ask Grandma Anything episode. This is like a free 45 minute brand coaching session, except it's shared with the world. If you want answers specific to your brand building journey, click the link in the description to apply. Hey, brand babies. This is the Brand Moss House podcast with your host, the ghetto country grandmother. In Grandma's house, it's all about the business of one. It's a place where shiny object chasing solopreneurs who want a scalable brand can find some love. She's dedicated to nurturing them so they become brand leaders instead of being stuck as a brand. So come on in and hold on to your bourbon because Grandma is about to spill the tea. Hey, brand babies, it's your ghetto country grandmother. And today I have one of my favorite people, Miss Linda Lynn. Yes, yes, yes. She is my accountability person. She tells me when I'm being kind of raggedy, but she tries to be nice about it. She thinks, I don't know, she a little bit hood, but she ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> one of the things that we want to talk about today is we want to talk about restaurants and branding. And we're going to do it like from an overall business perspective, but mostly from the restaurant industry, because we both have a passion for that. We both saw the devastation that the pandemic caused on smaller restaurants. And <clears throat> excuse me. And part of, of what drives our conversations a lot of times is that a lot of restaurants do not have branding. They have concepts, they have menus, but they do not have a brand that people want to be loyal to. And the people that are loyal to them are far, few and far between because they're not pushing that thing that makes them great. So before we get all into that, I'm going to go ahead and let my girl introduce herself. Come on, Miss Linda. And don't be trying to be nice to Miss Daisy. Come on. <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. Some of you may know me as Linda Lynn or secretly I'm hiding as Lynch and Lynn on Instagram. But I am a brand strategist and I work with local restaurants to help brand their local businesses. But we're about raising the bar this year, especially in the way we do branding. And it's not chasing validation. It's about really creating and being that that person who helps to kind of create this community around personal experience. So that's what I do. All right, y'all, we kind of lost Linda for a minute there. Sound went out, but we all good. We all good. And so Linda and I wanted to share our, our conversation with you. This is usually the day that we normally meet for our accountability of each other. So you guys actually get to sit in on conversations that we have or at least a conversation that we're having. And they always turn to restaurants. Because like I said, she focuses on, on restaurants. I, once upon a time, tried to focus on restaurants. But because um, I am who I am and I don't want to be bothered with no bullshit, <laughs> it hit a little different for me, especially having owned a restaurant. But then knowing the whole thing about the thin profit margins of restaurants not enough people wanted to pay me. So I have bills and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of moved on. But I am still always here for my restaurant folks. Don't get it twisted. If you ever need a brand strategist, that's what I'm here for. But but the but the thing about it is restaurants need to understand branding. You need to understand it beyond the the what the menu looks like, what kind of signage you're going to put up. Is stop being about the visuals only, but understand how you can actually build a brand and be a brand that has something more than a long ass extensive hamburger list of things that to offer people. And I'm not trying to hate on nobody, trust and believe. 
I truly believe that restaurants can dominate a whole lot better. Independent restaurants can dominate a whole lot better and not have to worry about the the McDeaths of the world and the Jack in the Bag crap and you know and I no slam because I do still eat Jack in the Box. Let me take that back. <laughs> but it, it's with the understanding that branding is available to you as well. And Linda and I have discussed before about getting restaurants to understand that everything does not have to require a coupon or or a, a happy meal or children's menu in order for you to be able to make the money that you want to make. So, Linda, you want to chime in here? Yes. Um, I, I liked how you mentioned branding is available to you all. And the thing about that is we've seen everyone's talking about like all these social medias and blowing up, especially on TikTok and things like that. Right. But what we're actually seeing is that branding is accessible to anyone. And you can build just as a successful brand being a quote unquote micro influencer with a smaller with as much smaller customer base than having followers of 100k or so. And that's something that that we're not seeing here. We're kind of just putting on these rose-colored glasses and saying, "Okay, I have to be I have to have like a certain amount of following to make a business." So Phyllis, what what is a business besides <laughs> just selling a product or just it's all it's like about the customers and things like that. I think yeah. I think people need to hear what is a business because we're kind of on that brink of are we content creators oh my god (laughs) you know being content creator makes me kind of cringe a little bit because essentially that's what they're telling everybody that they have to do now you have to create content take a picture of your food take a picture of come on now we are not meant to put our lives on display like that now for a business a business, like I said, your your ultimate goal is to make some money, pay some folks, do some great things. It depends on where your passion is. And for most people who have restaurants outside of franchise, I'm not including franchise folks in this conversation, but most people who open a restaurant have a passion for the bonding of food. And learning how to monetize that is one thing, but running it as a business is a whole nother animal. And you have to you have to get to the point of, okay, I'm not just selling food, I'm running a business. And so what does that business look like? You have to be able to forecast what it is that you want and how you're going to do it. And part of what brand strategy does with that is to help you come up with a brand architecture that fits the level that you want to grow to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most times it's it's them wanting to, oh, I'm opening a second and a third location as if that's the only way that you can increase your reach. But still, when you think about it from the from the aspect of what am I going to sell? What am I going to do? How am I going to build, bring people in here? The go-to for most restaurants, they give out coupons. They have a buy one, get one half off something on the menu. They have a feature special and all this kind of crap because they don't recognize that, you know what? If I brand in a certain way and not based on some catchy shit, because there's a, I'm, I'm segue a little bit. There's a restaurant that I heard of where everything about the menu is about being a bitch. So there's a bitch burger. And when they walk in, it's like, hey, bitch, what's up? And I'm like, that's some gitchy shit. <laughs> yes, it's it's the Karen Diner. That's what they call it. Yes. It's funny. I know everything. <laughs> but it, but what? OK, what, since you know about it, what do you think about that concept? Do you think that that's going to be a lasting concept or will it die out like everything else is trending? 
So honestly, that's just one of the trends. And right now it's it's funny because it's it falls under entertainment. Mm-hmm. And and people think that entertainment, especially in the restaurant industry, is you have to do something trendy. Like, for example, I've seen so many restaurants putting Asian, like, literally, they just call it Asian, Asian menus. And it's like, <laughs> different things fall under Asian. I know. I know. Trust me. I know. I had some guy approach me the other day and was like, oh, so you're like Asian. So you all must eat the same things. And I'm like, what? <laughs> At a moment, I was like, what? How dare you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pass me over my pate, but sure. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's 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 kind of going back to if if we're thinking entertainment and how how restaurants are thinking of entertainment it's not just entertainment like dancing or having these like beautiful things or just even kind of going back to just having it trendy and focusing on the trendy part will only get you so much money during a certain point it starts to die and then it starts to die because you're trying to keep up with entertainment yeah but i i don't i feel like people don't really understand the word entertainment as in it can just be more than that. Like, for example, when we go to YouTube, right, we're looking at it as a form of entertainment. But some of us find that entertainment for us is learning. Yeah. We're, and in branding, we're about creating this, this environment for, for a community for them to kind of imagine for themselves that they can be part of this. I agree. And, and so there, there's... Within the restaurant industry, like I say, some people open a restaurant because somebody said, oh, this is so good. You should sell it. And that may be very true. But being able to monetize something from your kitchen table, and I can attest to that because that's where I started, selling shit out the house. (laughs) But being able to sell something from your kitchen table is totally different than running a business. You have to understand all the nuances of, of this thing. You have to understand marketing. You have to understand branding. You have to understand forecasting. You have to understand your financials. And I will admit that when we started, when we started our business, we went from our kitchen table to farmers markets to two restaurants to catering, all that kind of stuff. But at the kitchen table, it was about transaction to transaction. It was all about the accounting of it all. But then when you start thinking about opening a restaurant in a second and third location and all of that kind of stuff. Then you have to start thinking about financials because you have to start worrying about budgets. You have to, excuse me, you have to talk to your vendors every now and then. You need to give me a better price, dude, because otherwise I'm going over here and get my shit. And a lot of the smaller restaurants, because the vendors are actually charging them more than they would get stuff in the store, they have to take time to do their own shopping. And so when you guys bitch and moan about the prices of these places, I get fucking pissed off because you don't understand what it is to be an independent restaurant. They don't get the economy of scale that some of these larger places get. And because they're not as popular, these salespeople come into their restaurant, whether it's Cisco or, or I can't think of the other names of Shamrock and all of these other bigger companies, they are not offering the same deals as they do to some of the bigger restaurants because they're operating on volume. So when you see these independent restaurants and you're bitching about their prices, sweetie, you're bitching about the hard work that they do. And then it's like, oh, well, this is taking too long. If somebody is actually in the kitchen cooking your fucking food, sit down and wait. This is not some heat up stuff in a microwave. 
And nobody wants to appreciate that. It shouldn't take this long. Well, you get your ass in here and you cook. Or how about you go home and cook your own shit? Is it we have gotten to a fast food economy that we don't even respect the art and the love and the, all the things that go into a good meal. So I'm gonna shut up for a minute, Linda. Come on, you gotta bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're you're making a great point here. And it's it's unfortunate because if we look back in history itself, like way, 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 way back, restaurants have a long standing of charging for less. And this standard of charging for less has been the same. It's been the same price point. And I know inflation has gone up for us, but I don't know why I'm raising my hand, but I, I think my my computer's malfunctioning. But um, but essentially, we haven't broke this pattern of effect at all. And we continue to be in this cycle of in the same price like yes inflation is going up but we're still charging at the same price like like last year i mean what well, we're charging 15 dollars. well technically with inflation we're only charging 14 or 13 now yeah and it's really heartbreaking because it's like no one's recognizing this and we're kind of stuck in in this pattern where it's like okay it shouldn't people, cost that much it shouldn't they're... cost that much yeah and we're we're pricing ourselves in this because we don't see the value of our own brand. Yes. And it's and, heartbreaking. And even right now, Neil is bitching about the price of eggs just like everybody else. And so when you go to a restaurant and you figure they have to buy all of these eggs and you guys are fussing because they raised their prices like 20 cents. Why did it go up? Hell, if you're paying more, don't you think they're paying more? And then they also have all of the overhead of the insurance, the cooks, the the back end, all of the all of these things. That price of eggs is not just based on them getting eggs out of the grocery store. And so, and this is why, like when Linda and I talk, when we talk about the branding of a restaurant, sweetie, if you were truly loyal to this thing, I promise you, a lot more restaurants would have made it through the pa pandemic unscathed. Why are you taking a heavy sigh? <laughs> I'm sighing because it's it's sad but true. We don't see a lot of these like designer luxury brands like Louis Vuitton really losing much. What what they do like close a store, but they're still making money. They're still making money because why? People put the value of their dollars into the brand that they believe in. Yes. So if you don't believe in your brand, then what value are you going to create for it if you don't even believe in it? And it's it's. You have, if you have a favorite restaurant, you have a favorite thing on the menu. And I don't care how good it tastes, trust and believe, if they fucked up some kind of way, you are not going to go back and get that thing. You're not. I gave up on Starbucks years ago because of some funky shit somebody said. And I have not been back since. And I I know I've told y'all about my, my, my Starbucks budget. But I gave it up. I even gave up my stock to Starbucks. That's how fucking pissed off I was. So it's it's with the with the understanding that yes, the food is good. And there are places that you will pass up to get to that place. But <clears throat> the only way that you seem to be able to define it when it comes to a restaurant, oh, it's good quality and customer service. Okay, can you expand on that? When you have your favorite waitress to sit you in your favorite section to do, bring you your favorite meal, 
you know what? They make me feel important. I want to feel important tonight because I had a bad day. I know when I go over here, she's going to treat me some kind of way or he's going to treat me some kind of way. And that feeling is what you want to capitalize on as a brand, not the fucking food. I don't care how good the food is. I know what it is to have good food and in the ebb and flow and all that stuff because good food is subjective. What I like, everybody else doesn't like. And so when you sit here and say, when you see these fake ass signs, best in the world, bitch, don't know, everybody in the world don't even know who you are. <laughs> They're just laughing at it's, me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Let, let me tell you the real truth about this, guys. All right. That best of is actually just voted. It's a popularity contest. Yeah. Essentially what it is. So you don't really know what the best of is. You have to be willing to go out of your own way to try it out. Okay. And I'm going to burst y'all bubble some more. And for the restaurants out there, I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm about to share some shit. When they put you on these best of lists, you know how the newspapers send you a thing, say, oh, you were voted the best so-and-so of something. That's so they can turn around and sell the restaurant a plaque to put on the wall. That's how that shit works. I am so sorry for bursting y'all bubble. I, I am. But we have to talk about it. We yes. have to talk about it because customers, there are customers out there. And I know you guys love, love your, love your restaurants. But sometimes we do more harm than what we think we do. Yeah. We're participating in these games that it's popularity contests and it's just not fair. And I know you care about, about this restaurant, this owner, their, like their, their whole team, everything. But there's a lot of systems out there that are putting red tapes around these businesses yeah. in order for them to grow. And if we really show up as a united customer front, we can really be there and help reduce that friction for restaurants. And, and <clears throat> I'm sorry, I keep clearing my throat, but it's just that kind of day. But anyway, the other thing is that when when you complain about pricing or the third-party delivery system. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into that shit. Because not only are these so-and-sos double dipping because they're charging you and the restaurant, but then nobody wants to tip the driver. Nobody wants to tip the restaurant. And the restaurant is actually losing money in order to be on this app because they have to pay 30 to 35% of whatever the ticket was that you bought. All right? I don't know if y'all knew that, but yes. So whatever little amount of uh, profit they eked out, the third party just sucked it up. Because they also tell them that when you come onto our platform, don't raise your prices. And I'm speaking from a former restaurant owner, so don't fuck with me. Don't think that I'm lying. I had Uber, I don't know if we had Uber Eats, but I had DoorDash, Grubhub, Yelp, all of those. And so we had to pay out of pocket for whenever you guys ordered food. And then they turn around and they charge you as well. So if I charge $20 for some food and you're bitching about the service charge, sweetie, they told me I couldn't raise my prices. So I had to raise my prices across the board in order to be able to cover what I was paying to these third parties to be on their platforms. And then people will say, oh, well, you should get on DoorDash. You get more orders. No, I lose more money. Which is why I advocate for restaurants raising their prices. I do. I don't want to fucking pay them, but I advocate for it all the time. 
because they are the ones that are losing out. You guys think, yeah, you've seen these mom and pop restaurants die. The older they are, the more they have to work in their restaurant because they've already put their kids through school. They've already paid. They're still paying on their houses. And so nobody's able to work here except two or three people. And that's family members because we can't afford to raise our prices enough to pay the employees what they actually deserve and what they mean to us. Yes, there's some toxic ass restaurants out there. Yes, y'all, some shady ass motherfuckers. But then there's also people who want to pay their people better because they want them to be loyal because they now become family. But you guys want to bitch and moan about the price because you're not fucking loyal to them. All you care about, oh, it's me. I'm hungry. And true enough, yeah, that I, I get it. I get it. It should be about you. But it also should be about you with an understanding that, you know what, this is what goes on behind the scenes. All that bullshit, when you see people go out here and do the television stuff, like Bar Rescue or Restaurant Impossible and all this stuff, and they have this long line of people waiting to get in. That is staged as TV. Once that show is over, there are no more lines. I saw two restaurants in Long Beach. When I lived in Long Beach, two restaurants in Long Beach that went through this. Oh, it was really great. It was really popular. One of the dudes had to, had to turn around and sell his bar because it did nothing. They put some, they slapped on some paint, did some pretty shit, but he still didn't know how to market and brand his business. Only thing he could ever say that, oh, I was on this show. When we did the, when Neil and I did the great food truck race, and this was after the show was over some months after, and one of the producers came into our restaurant. She said, why you don't have it on the walls that you want to, because it don't fucking mean anything to me. It did not matter because my regulars only found out we were on the show if we told them. Nobody ever came into the store and said, weren't you on a great food truck race? No. We had learned that lesson early on when people would, oh, well, can you do this taste thing? Bring us 1,500 samples. We'll give you exposure. Oh, fuck you. They're exposing you to an audience that does not live in your, demo, in, in your geographic area. They're exposing you to people who have only tasted something you probably made special for that evening that's not regularly on your menu. They never got to experience you in the true atmosphere of when you're in your restaurant. So, yeah, no. I don't need to put that shit on my wall. I don't. And, and I think you're bringing up a really, really great point here is, is like fake exposure. Yes. I think we spend so much of our time, well, like too much of our time chasing exposure when, when our time is so valuable and limited. And realistically, I'm going to be honest here, restaurants, food industry in general, you're not really making the one making content. People are profiting off of you to make their content. Yes. And what pisses me off the most is that we're allowing people, these these food influencers, these folks to kind of just step on us and then control our narrative. And it's not about that. We're a business. We're a business first. And when people reach out and, and request for um, free catering, free samples, free whatever to participate in their um, coupon thing, whatever it is, there's just so many, there's so many gimmicks out there. I'm just losing count. But essentially what we're doing is we're continuing to decrease the value of, of the brand that we worked so hard to create. Yeah. And we're just, we're just... There's just so much, so much of this that's just so long. 
and I know as as like social media social media is not going away but as this online narrative continues to grow and I know there's a lot of confusion around it the thing is like restaurants are the fabric of the community they are they are and it before even social media was this popular it's always been that way it's always been that way it's always been community it's and, always been and community. knowing how to capitalize on that if you're a community restaurant and you're not trying to be a destination point then you you need to be marketing to the community that doesn't require a coupon that does not require some bullshit of, of being on social media that requires you being active in your community showing up to your 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 when they have those those council meetings your ass need to be there half y'all don't even know when the council meetings are and they actually have impact on your business. That is being a business. Actually knowing who your council members are. I knew when I lived in Long Beach, I knew Rex and I knew Al. Both of them had had our food. But it's knowing them and having to actually have a conversation with them as far as how it impacted my business, it makes a difference. Because you have to understand what's going on in your community. Because if if you're a small independent restaurant and now the council is talking about bringing in this big franchise store, how is that going to impact your business? Because more than likely, because it's new, everybody's going to plot there. So you have to be prepared for that. You have to know how you're going to survive that or how you're going to weather that new thing coming in off the street. Everybody wants to go to the new place. Oh, the atmosphere. Oh, the this, the that, and the other. But will they come back to their old faithful? Or are they now, you know, we're going over here. Because this place makes me feel important because I can afford their menu. I'm a baller. <laughs> then realistically, they were, your, they were never your customers in the first place. No. Never. And I think that's that's. That's also touching on the topic of like old customers versus new customers. What we don't understand is that new customers are more expensive to acquire. Yeah. You spend way more time and time equals essentially Money. expenses and funding and all that. But your whole group of loyal customers who've been with you since the beginning feel neglected. And those those guys were the ones who were supporting your business when you were growing. Yeah. And the thing is, you've already established that rapport with them. They already know your business. They've been through your doors. They've been they just know everything about you. And it stinks when when we're over here chasing like bigger and better things out here. Yeah. And actually, Phyllis, I remember that when your business went on TV. Can you talk a little bit more about that and and these crowds coming in? Like, explain what that experience is because I feel like there's rose colored glasses around that as well. Yeah, that that new customers means big money. No, it does not. It, it it's all flash and no substance because what that ends up doing, people think they're doing you a great service when they put your name in a paper, when they mention you and all that stuff. It is great for a minute. Because what it does is it creates more brand awareness or creates awareness. I don't know if you have a brand or not, but in that awareness, what it does when all of these new people line up because you're the new hot thing that was listed in the paper, all of your old customers will go sit their asses down. 
they you you end up losing because after all of these people finish saying, oh, well, now where do you want us to go? When the newspaper puts out something new, and I'm saying newspaper because we have had our share of write-ups, or we did. When all of that dies down, now your lines are shorter than they were before they came because your regular customers like, fuck that, I'm not standing in this line. And you're pissing off the people in the community and within the within the 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 reach of that restaurant that they normally go to because you you took away our spot. Now it becomes this big tourist attraction. Like I said, unless you're trying to become a destination point, you're ruining the fabric of what this community believes in as far as that restaurant is concerned. So this happened to us like maybe three times. Once was when we were we we were still at the farmer's market stage. We used to do the Torrance Farmer's Market. And we got featured in the LA Times. My husband's picture was right there in front and center in, in, the, in the food section. So we had a line that stretched down to nowhere. I couldn't even see the end of the line. But then because we, we were used to doing the farmer's market, we knew how much food we needed based on whatever given day. Our food sold out very, very quickly. And people had the audacity to get pissed off, write bad reviews, talk about us, as my mom would say, talking all up under my clothes because we ran out of food way before the market was ending because they were buying food in bulk. We were not prepared for this. And if you know that you're going to be written up somewhere, you prepare. We were not prepared. We just expected... Y'all always talk about folks don't read, trust and believe. People read. And so we had to recover from that. Then it happened again when we were in our restaurant. We got written up. If you do you get a anybody that has AAA, you get Westway magazine. And if you ever get in, got a section where in the back it talks about favorite restaurants to stop at when you're on the road or something like that, somehow we ended up on that list. We didn't know. All we know is that that some photographer came in because he told us somebody came in and tried our food and they wanted to us to take pictures and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, who the hell reads Westway? I throw mine in the trash every time it comes to the door. Again, lying down the we we were in a in a shopping kind of kind of shopping center back then. The line was stretched down past all the other businesses. We would be taking ribs off the smoker and people would be pointing out, that's my rack. The ribs were sold before they even got it back to the kitchen to cut it up. And this ruined our business again. We had to recover from that because now people are like, why do you keep running out of food? Do you see the smoke? The smoker's right out here in front where you can see it. You see the capacity of this thing and you see this line. Do you really think we're going to stay open till eight o'clock at night? We opened at 11, we were sold out by two or three. And what we found out is like, that shit may work in Texas or any other Southern state. When it's gone, it's gone. California, Cali ain't having it. Cali does not like that shit. You should have made more food. You should have done this. Fuck you. You don't get to tell me what I should do in my restaurant. But you have to be, being popular, that's what you have to be prepared to be popular. And it is just that, it's popularity. Because as soon as you fuck up, the popularity is gone. You you you've lost that thing. Come on, Linda. No, it's 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 true. Everyone wants to be friends with the popular kid. But the thing is, like, if we look at, at movies itself, 
the popular kid is just popular only for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And if we take that that story and reevaluate where our business is at and the expenses and things like that, how long are we really going to be popular for? And then it's going to move on to the next popular kid and the next popular kid. And so we're still trying to ride off that high of being popular yeah. when we're not actually putting in the work. Like people want more money all the time, yeah. right? And people say that they have great products all the time, yeah. but no, where, where no one is willing to actually do the work that's actually going to drive their business to at least make it to 10 years or however long you want to run the business for. Cause that's, that's some, you know, once you go 15 years, whew, like <laughs> that is commitment. You know what I mean? That it's is. like a marriage. That is. It's a commitment. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is everyone's talking about having an amazing product, um, making more money, but no one's willing to put in the work yeah. to actually make it last. Yeah. And if you put in the work, you can outwork essentially your business into its longevity yeah. and continue to improve on what needs to be improved so that your brand can kind of grow instead of just chasing, I have to have the best product on the market or I have to change my product like every so months or so. Like mm -hmm. the amount of times I've seen people change their menu in a month is whew, insane. Imagine yeah. having... A, a new menu every every other week yeah every other week like with especially with these flying prices you you don't know how much a box of avocados is going to be by tomorrow that you don't part. know that that's 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 the scary part it's like although we can't although we can't really see prices as what they're going to be by the next day, at least you know what you can do with your brand. Yeah. At least you know you have control over that. But if we give that control away by just letting, giving people like all this stuff, coupons such as like and discounts coupons and, and discounts and, and having influencers talk about our food, what are we doing? No, what are um, we doing with our time? Tell me this, since you're saying influencers, what do you think about the guy on TikTok? I can't think of his name. Who sits in the chair, in his daughter's chair at the table. You haven't seen him? Is he in Vegas? I think he is, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The guy in Vegas. Yeah, he blew up. He, he's yes. been blowing up recently. Yes. He has been blowing up recently. Now, because you're talking about influencers, and I know I've seen the impact of his his thing. Uh, he went back to visit one of the restaurants that he talked about and uh, I saw their line. And while I'm happy for them, it's like, okay, when this stops being popular, when people who are here for the hype and not for the food and think the food is just okay, what is going to happen to this business? I'm hoping it, it stays viable and all that stuff. I pray that it does. But then, like I said, once the hype wears off, then what happens? Does he have to call him back to to come talk about us again? But if the brand is there, not just the food, if the brand is there to a certain extent of something that these people can connect with, then it hits different. It's not just that an influencer told us to come eat your shit. That's nasty. I'm sorry. That was wrong. <laughs> come eat your food. I'm sorry. <laughs> shit is my go-to word. It's good, bad, and ugly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah. So tell me about that. Um, what you think, Linda? Really, really great, great question. 
And there are, I will say, there are some very, very few influencers out there in the food space that actually do it justice. And they continue on that work and they actually create this cycle of of money inf- inf- influence, like inf- influx, influx of money mm-hmm. kind of investing back. But those are systems that they've created. But yeah. some are kind of out here just doing it for the clout. Yeah. They're doing and, like pay me and I'll tell my friends and I'll, whereas this dude, the one thing I appreciate about him is he pays for all his meals. Yes. He does not want anything for free. He pays for all his meals. So I, I, when I first came across his videos, um, I appreciated how honest he was. He was really transparent mm-hmm. and he's, he's showing how he's paying. And I think, I think that's the part where I, I really like respect about him is that this is just he, he's and it's funny too because he's not like putting himself on a pedestal he's just like I'm just every other guy just paying for their food like a customer like a person who's investing and there are certain words that he uses that I respect as well which is you know it's not for me versus these like outrageous crazy um folks who like eat something and they're like spitting it out Mm -hmm. and they're like hacking or throwing up and it's all for content yeah it's all for content but it's just like now for content people are wasting food doing stupid shit just to get views saw a woman put some macaroni in a pan that still had the paper on the bottom and do some yes it's like you are seriously wasting food to that to that degree that you just need to have that many people look at you and try to validate your numbers that you're willing to 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 just make sh- now that is literally shit. Whatever she the rest of that nonsense was she put in that pan. Right. And and the thing is like people don't think that their viewers are gonna take on this personification and do that in restaurants. Do you Phyllis, you've probably experienced this, but the amount of times that I've seen like in a restaurant, oh my God, where people, these customers are coming in and they are just given out their list and demands they're like i don't want this i don't want this i don't want this and they start flipping out when they receive their food and it's like oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay (laughs) okay (laughs) like (laughs) like, what is this (laughs) we started handling that problem when we were in the farmer's market we had this one chick that came almost every week and she wanted her ribs and she, and depending on where, like when you start cutting ribs, we sold our ribs by the pound. We didn't sell them by the bone, by the slab. We sold them by the pound, just like we did everything else. And so her thing was, she always wanted the middle rib because she thought they were media. So she would be like, can you cut it from that end? Okay. I don't want that one. And so this happened like three, four, five, six times. I don't know how many times, but then we finally tell, you know what? We can't serve you anymore. Because we're not going to ruin a rack of ribs because you don't like the ribs you're getting. So I can understand if it was a burn in on the ribs or something like that. But it's because it's by the pound, you can get two, three, four bones, depending on how big or how small they are. But we're not cutting. So, no, we can't serve you anymore. And she's like, but wait, wait, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, sorry. No, that's OK. People telling us to put um, our tagline back then was real good meat. And people come in, you should have some vegetarian options. Whatever the fuck I cook, hopefully it ate some grass that's vegetarian. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
it's, so funny. It's, having the audacity to come in and tell somebody what they should have on their menu just because you're inconvenienced. Your friends that brought you here knew your ass was vegetarian. That is not on me. And no, you can't sit here and eat somebody else's fucking food at my table. No, I'm not preparing. Can you put less salt in the food? No, you can go eat somewhere else. Because my regular customers do not have a complaint. If it is actually salty, I would trust them over trusting you. You just walked in here. Mm -hmm. But because we've gotten to this notion of people pleasing and the customer is always right, we won't stand up for, 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 for our food, for our staff. I told my staff all the time, don't be cussing at my folks. Don't be acting crazy. Let me act crazy. I got you. You could not treat my staff any kind of way. So if they had a problem, sweetie, you had a problem with me. But then I also owned up when they fucked up. I actually ended up getting written up in, I forget what newspaper, because some woman, um, some woman gave us a one-star review. And I sent her an open letter saying, thank you for the one-star review. That shit should not have gone out. If that's what we served you, yes, I'm pissed off. And when I went back to my staff, nobody knew what happened. You know what? Yeah, it was consequences and repercussions. And that ended up getting picked up because I owned the fact that I knew that sandwich. I knew that bread because we made our bread. You can't tell me that's some store-bought bread right there. They gave her this dry-ass sandwich, wrapped it up. Some, who was on shift that day? Tell me, I got you. Now, whether somebody lets me fix it or not, I've apologized. I've offered to fix it. That's all I can do. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. It's like, what do you do? I can't do nothing else. I said I was sorry. Give me the opportunity to fix it. If you don't want to give me, give me the opportunity, stop being petty and stop bitching about it. We both said what we had to say. Go on. Be with yourself. You don't have to come back. I'm not mad. I'm not. But I know how to correct my staff as well. So is with, like I said, there's so many things that you guys that don't know about what goes on behind the scenes at restaurants that we have to deal with. From the landlords, do you guys know how much rent restaurants pay? Oh, oh. my gosh. Just Depending. to put a hood in a restaurant starts at at least $10,000 and goes up from there. That's just the hood. Okay. They have to pay. I'm, I'm pretty sure now is more but at least $5 per square foot. So you do the math. Then you have to pay triple net on top of that. And triple net is you having to pay above your rent. You have to pay for the security guards that are out there. If there are any, you got to pay for the maintenance outdoors. If there's any, all of that stuff gets covered in the triple net. You got to pay to have the grease traps cleaned. You got to have your hoods cleaned and all that stuff. Oh, and then you have to have your fire suppression. You guys don't know all of this, but all you know, my eggs are cold. I don't like this burger. They put pickles on it. It is not an easy thing. And I know y'all probably said, well, fuck, they shouldn't do it then if they don't, you know what, miss me with the bullshit. Take your crabby ass on and, and sit down somewhere. Because there are people who appreciate the hard work that goes into a kitchen. Most times, you know, the people who tip the most is the people that earn the least because they worked in a fucking restaurant she's saying that's true y'all can't hear it because her mic is muted <laughs> that's true i tip at least i always make sure i tip at least minimum 
or if not a little bit more. And it's because I've worked in the service industry and the bullshit we have to take yes. is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Crazy. It's crazy. It's like you can have a good day and then 10 minutes before closing, you can have a bad day. You have a yeah. really bad day. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all of these different things. It's like you walk into a restaurant five minutes before it's supposed to close and you expect them to have everything, everything that they had when they opened up. Really? Do you know how wasteful that is for them? Now, because you have to keep the, the, the health department is going to tell you, you have to have this at a certain temperature. You can't keep this after a certain day. You got to make sure this is refrigerated. And because we did barbecue, one of the reasons we ran out is because we weren't going to serve you day old barbecue. That was our thing. Now, people didn't understand that because who wants warmed over ribs and brisket? Don't nobody want that shit. If I'm going to heat it up, it's because I took it home and it was leftovers for me. But coming out of my kitchen, out of my restaurant, I'm not giving you no leftover shit. So, yeah, it, we know we don't have any more brisket. We don't have any more ribs. Because, and y'all, y'all going to learn to appreciate some barbecue folks. I'm sorry. Briskets normally take anywhere from, if you're cooking hot and fast, maybe some, what, seven, four, I don't know. It depends on how people are cooking their shit. But at least up until 13 hours. Ribs take at least four hours to smoke some chicken. Do you know the smoked chicken that you have to temperature check each piece? Y'all need to fucking appreciate these restaurants. Like I said, I'm not speaking about franchises today. I'm talking about the, the, the folks that get back there in the kitchen, kitchen and actually cook. I hate seeing a barbecue restaurant with a microwave. Seriously, why do you need a microwave? That shit disappoints me. No, I'm not eating there ever again. But I I want the whole reason that we're having this conversation. I know I'm doing most of the talking because it pisses me off. But the reason we talk about where we wanted to talk about this is because we want restaurants to understand what it means to be branded. It is not a, a catchy concept. It is not saying, oh, we're we're the our, it's the burger zoo. Don't be putting stripes and shit on the wall. But actually understand what it means to brand strategically. You're branding because it's not about where you are. It's where you want your restaurant to be to be later on and what you want it to be known for. That's what you build the, the brand around. If you want it to be known for being a family place, then have your fucking family work there. Oh, well, my kids don't want to work here. But if it's not a family thing, then don't call it a family restaurant. Because if, if I bring my family, I want to see your family. Let me hear about your kids. Where are they going to school? No, I ain't trying to get all up in your business because I think people should keep their kids private, but that's my own personal issue. But there's something that, that you can brand around that is not quality and customer service because that is any fucking business out there should have quality and customer service. A quality of care. But to have something that that is unique to your restaurant so that I don't have to flip pages. You don't have to give me an extension menu. I promise you, the longer we stay in the business, the shorter our menu got. Our next concept was actually going to be a sandwich spot. But we went from traditional barbecue that we opened a, a, a barbecue for breakfast spot. Big Mr. Morning Wood. That's, that was our second location. 
Everything for breakfast was smoked on the smoker. The bacon, the sausage, the burgers, the meatloaf, the turkey, it all came off the smoke. We served breakfast and lunch and then we closed. And so we, we wanted all of our restaurants to have a different concept. So the next one was going to be a sandwich spot. There's any barbecue places out there. Go and open your sandwich spot. Fuck all the rest of that stuff. Stop serving plates and all of that. Get your sandwich spot. Trust me, it's a whole lot easier. Don't ask me how. I just know. <laughs> but is you you have the ability to bring something to people because we bond over, over over food. Food and good drink. Good food and good drink. We want to sit down and laugh and cry and 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 introduce our kids to new foods. One of the things that Neil used to do when he take work to a restaurant, she could never say she could she didn't like anything until she tried it. So if you're known for an eclectic menu and you see somebody coming there with a kid, you, making a relationship with them so that you're having a generational thing. So not only, you know what, I grew up in this. I, there are people at Polly's in Long Beach in Atlantic that still work there. They still know my daughter from when she used to come in when she was tiny eating broccoli. My daughter's 15 now. My daughter still loves Polly's, but we were disappointed the last time because they took waffles off the menu. And this was just, we were there, what, um, late last year, I still know Chewy. Chewy still works at Polly's. I still know Tracy. Tracy still works at Polly's. This is 15 years, y'all. I know these people. That's, it's a thing. It is a whole ass thing. It is Hold true. And it's, it's really heartbreaking too, because I've seen, when, when I talk to, to some of these restaurant owners, a lot of them don't even know their customers at all. They don't even know their faces. They just see them by their dollar bill. And part of that reason is because we're being taught, like restaurant owners are being taught, that it's just about the money. The money and the food, yeah. The money and the food. And the thing is like, well, what about the person who's coming to support you? What about what about their generations? And and you're right about that. Like when I was growing up, there used to be a bakery nearby, right? And I would, as a kid, I used to walk to it, and I would, <laughs> I would bring my coins and my pennies and my dollar bills, everything I saved up, and I would drag them to the to the little to the little like um, bakery. And they saw me grow up over the years mm -hmm. as a kid, um, and unfortunately, they had to close down because they were an older couple and things mm -hmm. like that. But and nobody would work there because they couldn't afford to pay him. Right. And nobody would work there because, you know, bakeries, the, yeah. the price point is really, really, really low. Mm -hmm. And the hours to it is intense. I mean, think about it. You get $2 for a loaf. That's yep. cheap. That's yep. crazy. And it spends like that thing spends like at least 24 hours in proofing. And then you got to bake it and then you got to score it and all yeah. the things. We used to but... make our own bread for our sandwiches. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And then if the yeast dies, oh, good luck. You got to start all over. You got to start yeah. over there. But yeah. the thing is, is like, we have to just go beyond money. And I know the business needs money. But yeah. if we see people for what they are, they will see the value in the brand as well. Yeah. We have to start, stop treating people like a transaction. And it's heartbreaking too. Yeah. Because the more we treat people as a transaction, we're just... All we're ever going to talk about is just money. All we're ever going to see each other is just like a commodity. 
And that's what restaurants, I feel like, has such a hard time getting over that hump is that it's just seen as a commodity. What's the first thing to get cut? It's your restaurant expense mm-hmm. because it's a commodity. Yeah. But but it's it it goes beyond that. It goes just like a customer coming, walking in. Let's just give her a, a, na- a fake name. But Sandra comes in. And Sandra comes in and she's like, okay, I'm I'm going into this little ice cream store. We'll call it Swirl, Swirl Cream or something. Okay. okay. She goes to Swirl Cream and she goes, oh, um, trying to make up names as I go. Uh, John, good to see you again. And then this this whole craziness inflation thing hits. Sandra's going to look at her her list of expenses. And unfortunately, she has to put everything on it. But she's not going to look at swirl cream as just another expense. It's her place for herself to take time for herself to be at. Her self-indulgence. Her self-indulgence. Yes. And so when restaurants are out here chasing like all these like um, trends, you're not thinking about the that connection. You're never thinking about that connection. People wonder why people sell a certain product so well. It's not about the product. It's about that connection that they're selling that goes beyond that product. Yeah. And it's it's sad. It's it's really sad, though. Like, if we continue down this route of treating people like expenses, they're going to treat us like an expense, too. And as a collective community... And, you know, influencers aren't going anywhere, but even including influencers, we have to think about what are we teaching? What are we teaching towards our our community here? And what can we do better? Yeah. And it's it's, with the whole thing around how we're trying to make food. um, I don't know. It's, it's, It's not what is what is what is meant to be. It's nourishment. It's it's a way to 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 create memories. It's like you can go into a restaurant and and have some type of of sauce, whether it's barbecue sauce, spaghetti sauce, marinara sauce. I don't care. But there's something about that sauce that has a sense memory that makes you close your eyes and think of something, some good time or some bad time. If it's bad, you'll never eat that sauce again. But if it's good they're the only ones that make sauce like my mom or they're the only ones that make it like my sister. There's some sense of memory there. And so you keep, you keep going. We go to every once in a while, when I, when I come back in into town, normally when Neil and Morgan pick me up from the airport, we go to Texas Roadhouse because we love their bread, love their bread. Sucky ass service. Yeah, you get a good waiter every now and then, but usually sucky ass service. They have five little teenage girls standing up here calling themselves being hostesses and they look like a huddle of, of crazy. You, they don't know how to engage. You haven't trained them on how to have a conversations with the customers when they're getting all crazy. All they can do is look down. Oh, will your table be ready in 10 minutes? And they're afraid to look somebody in the eye and say, I am so sorry, sweetheart. Can I get you a, a, a roll while you wait? Can I get you a glass of water? They don't know how to do that because you don't train them to do that. But see, Texas Roadhouse is a little different because they're fucking busy. They have a line. They have an established customer base. So they don't give a fuck if it's bad service or not. They got enough people waiting to get some more food. You don't have that luxury when you're you're a community restaurant. 
but you do have the luxury of building a brand around something that bonds you to your customers. That when somebody says you got to shut down because of a pandemic, oh, we're serving out the back door. We're doing backdoor catering now. They will show up for that. They will call you. We used to have a list of, uh, we had two lists. We used to make something called pig candy. Pig candy, I even know my spiel. Pig candy is thick sliced maple bacon covered in cayenne, brown sugar, and some of our rub, and we smoke it till we make bacon batter. We had a list whenever we thought about making pig candy that we had to call first before we actually put it out. If if we made enough orders for the people on the list, well, nobody out, nobody in their mama knew about the pig candy that day, except the folks that, that we had called. Same thing for burn-ins. We making burn-ins today. Ooh, put me a pound to the side. I'll be there after work. Ooh, can you, because that was us. We knew who wanted it and who didn't. Do you want to go on the list? Yeah, put me on the list next time y'all make it. When your wife making Cubans? Kiss my Cuban ass. I'm not making y'all. Oh, come on, Mrs. Missy. Come make us some Cuban. Okay, babe. How many do you want? Because you know you got to buy more than three. Okay, make me five. Can I pick them up tomorrow? No, you can pick them up the next day. Okay, I'll be back then. That's how I used to talk to my customers. Because there was a relationship there. Whenever we made brisket chili. Okay, make so-and-so his pan. Because we know he's going to want his. And we, we all we had to do was call. You're making your chili for tomorrow. You can pick it up. And say, okay. They, they didn't even order it. But because we knew them that well, we knew they was going to come in with the money. It's a it's whole ass. Go ahead, sweetie. Go ahead. No, it's it's true. And listening to that story again, it, it definitely reminds me of um, like when I go to certain places, um, the owners are usually the one working it, of course. And they're like, oh, Linda's back. And and the whole staff turns around. They're like, Linda, hello. And I'm always bringing in treats and, <laughs> and snacks. And, you know, coming back from Europe, I bring them a European snack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's something so wholesome that we have to stop thinking that that our customers are broke. They will find the money. Find it. They will find a way. Yeah. Even if it takes them a while, they will find a way because they... They love it. And that's they why they somehow fit back. you in that budget. They somehow will fit you in that budget. It's yeah. like, for example, right? A person doesn't just buy a Louis Vuitton overnight. I mean, depending on what kind of like wealth status you are. But but um some people will find a way. Yeah. And they will pay for that. And that's why you see folks in like um, that's why you see more folks wearing Louis Vuitton stuff or just like all these luxury brand stuff when they're in lower middle class. They will find a way. And yes. They will find a way to pay for your things as well. Yeah. I found a bakery when we were still living in Oregon. I found a bakery that was um, on my way to church. And I was stopping there every Sunday just to support that business because I thought he had a phenomenal product. He had a phenomenal attitude. Him and his wife would be in there. And I wanted to help them so bad. But I also knew that they were struggling. Y'all can't afford me. And while I could have helped them for free, there's this sometimes people you can't help because it's like, no, it's not going to fix it. It's not going to fix it. So you can't do anything to convince them that you can. But I went and supported them every Sunday. And I took those donuts to church every Sunday. And then when he closed, because he had to end up closing because business was just that bad. So when he ended up closing, I tried to find another bakery, could not find one. And I refused to support the grocery store 
fuck y'all when there are all these independent bakeries out here and these people are trying to survive so you know what no more church no more donuts for church <laughs> oh, that's 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 another thing too is like i know every industry has its struggles and things like that but even in the bakery industry we're seeing less and less independent bakeries out here yeah and i know some of some of keep getting some of food for refusing to make cakes <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> it's true. But um the thing is like a lot of these bakeries, I know a lot of you guys have have such fond memories of it. And there was a bakery like on the other side of town, other side of the city, and this bakery's been open for a hundred years. Wow. I didn't believe it for myself, but unfortunately they closed down last month. Wow. Sadly. And it's it's because, you know, rising expenses, it's hard to keep up, et cetera. And one of the things is like folks were talking about in the comment section. I remember I used to go here since I was this young. I brought my kids here. I brought my things here and I brought my grandparents here. And you see the the, the, the level of impact this this small bakery has over the course of 100 years. Wow. 100 years. And they wouldn't and, raise their prices probably enough to support their business. Right. And it's, it's like, heartbreaking. We can't do it. Yeah. They won't raise their prices because they're that loyal to their customers, but then they don't get the same loyalty back. No, no. And Th that's and the pricing. shit part. And pricing has a lot to do on yeah. how we explain the value behind a brand. Yeah. Because yeah. pricing, pricing, I mean, besides, again, besides money going into the business and helping it to grow, Pricing teaches your customers how to value something. Yes. If you're trying to sell a product or thing, whatever it is, and it's at a lower price point value, it look it's seen as a commodity. Yeah. But if you're selling it at like a certain price point, full with it. Say that again. That aware. lost you for a second. Oh. Say that again. When we see it at a certain price point, when you sell it at a certain price point, people are much more aware about it. Yeah. They're 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 paying attention because now it's 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 creating this relationship where it's like oh i have to pay for this so that it's going to return me this instead yeah so pricing yeah. has pricing has a lot to do with the um with your business as well and if we're just treating it as a commodity people will treat it as a commodity as well yeah. unfortunately it's really sad but it's it's true, especially in our industry. We're we're creatives, but as a community, a lot of us undercharge ourselves. Yeah. And we can't move forward if we don't all stand uniformed in this. I just had someone, um, and she might hear this, but I had someone ask me for a referral of someone who could help her on Fiverr. I don't use Fiverr. I don't, I don't. So I don't know anybody at that level. All and and people know. Don't ask me to refer you to one of my clients because I've already told my clients, we raising your prices. It's an automatic thing for me. Unless your price point is already somewhat in the realm of what I probably think it should be. But my opinion doesn't matter. They have the, the right to say no. But if your price point is not up here, if you charge in hundreds when you should be charging thousands, yeah, I want you to raise your price. I really do because it, there's, there's, there's this 
Now I'm about to get real shitty and we're going to move away from food for a second, just for a second, hopefully. But there's this thing about people in the U.S. thinking that they have a right to pay less when they go to it, when they ask for services from somebody in a poorer country. Okay. I've had since, and and I y'all know I, I belong to the Future Pro Group, and I have met so many people from other countries saying we can't charge what U.S. people charge. And so people in the U.S. recognizing that will try and take advantage. At least, I mean, at least say, well, you know what, that's not enough. Let me pay you a little more. But no, we're like, oh, I got this for cheap. And it's, 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 uh, oh my goodness, it, it makes me so angry so angry so it's it's with the understanding that even within our own country we're trying to be cheap with restaurants we really are when we should not be because that person that just stood there and scrambled your eggs needs a paycheck just like you need a paycheck so that's why the eggs cost what they cost he also has to work in a facility that that we have to pay rent for that's why your eggs cost so much we also have to have insurance, but we can't even afford health insurance for our employees because some people, seriously, they want to do right by their staff, but because you bitch when they raise their prices by pennies, they can't they can't maintain their staff. So the churn rate, the turnover rate is high. Because, okay, once you reach the cook level, unless I bring you in as a partner, what, what where else am I going to send you? So there's all these things of, you not realizing what all went into those scrambled eggs that you ordered. It is more than two cracked eggs on a plate. Trust and believe. It is true. And and what we don't also see is that in these larger companies, and we we, we all have this experience as well as, as previous employees and things like that. And these larger employees, they treat us like we're just turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I know there are some restaurants out there who treat their employees like that. I don't want to forget that. But there are a lot of restaurants who really care about their employees so yeah. much that they're not willing to pay themselves. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. I've heard it. Shit, I was heartbreaking. that. When we went from being at the farmer's market to actually open our first restaurant, we struggled because we were known in L.A. We were not long, known in Long Beach. But we wanted to have a place closer to home. We didn't want to fight tra traffic for an hour to get to our spot in L.A. So we struggle to the point of me almost losing my house, me and Neil almost losing our house until we started, we had to gain some traction. So you know what? I did not get paid. So my bills didn't get paid. Folks don't see that shit. Well, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't open. You know what? They Y'all talk that shit because you don't understand. When people truly have a passion for food and the love of food and they want you to have something great, on your palate, when they take pride in what they created for you, that is their level of creativity. Food is their creativity. It's their art form. And so when they put that before you, when that is their thing, that's how they, that's how they want to live. For you to say they shouldn't do it because they can't afford it, you know what? You really don't appreciate it and you don't deserve it. You really don't. It's Come true. On. It is very true. It's heartbreaking because like I see so many of my friends now 
actually wanting to open up their own restaurants. And they're working as line cooks or chefs or whatever it might be where they are. And the thing is, it's like, it's sort of the unknown to them. It's scary at the same time because you see these customers come in and it feels like they're dictating how your business is going to run. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing these owners who are not paying themselves because they care about their employees. They really care about their employees. But there's, but overall, it's this cycle again. These are symptoms of this, I'm just going to call it generational curse, which your um, client coined the term generational mm-hmm. curse. It's this generational curse in the restaurant industry that we have to break as yeah. a united front. As a united front. As a united yes. front. And... And um, this also comes from the fact that, like, we can't break it if we don't do anything about it. And creating a business is the first step. Yep. But branding your business is, is the, the next step, step to breaking is breaking that cycle. Because if if you can create an amazing dish or whatever it might be, or an amazing restaurant, and no one really understands the brand behind it or has any connection to it, then you're just another commodity. Yeah. Yep. And it's heartbreaking. It's it's a lot. But uh, also I do want to <laughs> it's it's frustrating, but I do wanna wanna like point out that there are a lot of things that are distracting us from actually running the business. Yeah. And yes. part of it Part of it is part of it is social media. Part of it is um, alliances that happens. Part of it is is just it's just finding the time to even figure out what is what. But I know that having having and creating a brand is something that you can control because you can't control everything. Let's let's be honest yeah. here. You can't yeah. control everything. True. But it's just. It's just really heartbreaking. I'm also like really slow today for some reason. <laughs> I think it's the weather. <laughs> it's it's snowing today, so my brain's like, "Huh, oh, I got a shovel. <laughs> oh, I got a shovel today." <laughs> so I'm mentally preparing the energy in my body to shovel <laughs> to shovel snow. <laughs> that was a side. A side this could oh, be a you, you can cut this off. No, I won't. <laughs> You all, this is, this is, Linda and I, like I said, I don't necessarily have any restaurant clients because of my pricing and because a lot of restaurants, like I say, they think it's about the food. They think it's about the menu. They think it's about the customer service. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with someone that it's more than that. And so I appreciate Linda for coming on here with me because we both get it. Like I said, building building up Big Mistas was not easy. And that's way before I knew what I know now. I see how I could have made my life easier had I known what branding really was beyond the visual. But you have the opportunity to beat out. Stop trying to compete with the prices at McDonald's and Burger King. and Sweetie, that's not your job. What you want to do, if you want to raise your prices, you got to show them why the value of your burger is better. And even if the value is based on, you know, we just, when y'all come in, we love on you. We don't just send you through a drive-through line. 
We don't shit your shit under a warmer because we love on you. That is fuck. That is building a fucking brand. And people are like, you know what? We go there because they love us. <laughs> okay, okay. You're gonna hate me for a second, but come on. I know we. I know you mentioned you don't like Starbucks, but that's how they get you. Every time mm -hmm. they write your name wrong. Yeah. Even though it's so basic. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm telling them my name. It's basic. And it's called Lydia. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> and, but that's how they get you, though, because waking up, waiting in a really long line for Starbucks, waiting just to get your name in a cup just for you to be like, guys, they posted my name wrong. Mm -hmm. Like you want to feel that. Yeah. You want to feel something in the morning besides caffeine. Something. You want to feel something. You want to feel appreciation somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And 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 having a restaurant is actually where someone can feel like they're part of. Yeah. Without and it running to the ground. That. Yeah. And it's and it's more than just saying the words. If it's not true to you, then don't do it. Don't do it. Yes. If you have if you have crappy memories about being in the kitchen, then you know what? Be a crappy ass kitchen. Make it part of your brand. Make it work for you. If you it's it there's so many things that that people consider flaws that is actually true to them. Me being ghetto country, I used to see it as a flaw. I used to be very quiet in 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 certain spaces because I didn't want anybody judging me based on that. But then I had to recognize that you know what, I'm an educated woman. I have my degrees, I have my certifications, I have my recognitions. So whether people think I'm ignorant or not, because I say fuck and use bad English, sweetie, that's on y'all. Seriously. So figure out how to brand your restaurant, sweethearts. Seriously. Figure out what it is besides the menu that make people want to come in and spend time with you. Because most of us go in restaurants because we want to spend time somewhere. I want to spend it at home by myself. Maybe you create a singles restaurant because you're single. You know what? I'm looking for a partner in life and in business. And so we have this restaurant where we pair up people. You got to sit with a stranger and have a conversation. Because you know what? I, wanted, I want people to talk more. And that has to be true to you. Don't be going out here and just doing shit because I said so. But there, there are so many things that, that to speak personally to what it is that you want in your restaurant. If there is a grandma's recipe out there and you want to bring, bring grandma's recipe to the world, sweetie, why aren't you doing cooking videos along with your restaurant? You don't have to open up a second space just to make more money. There are other opportunities out here. But you can brand beyond quality and customer service. I promise you, you can. Waffle Waffle House, you need to put a, a, a fighting rink in the back of their restaurant. All the shit. Did you see that? She got the elbow. <laughs> I was impressed. Serious. Waffle House is where you get a roundhouse kick, too. Like, oh that's where you God. go to kick. <laughs> they need to find a way to capitalize on all the fights that happen in their place. Seriously. I love it. I love that it. That would be a brand. <laughs> that would be a brand. It, it, it so. would be. It would be. And on like, instead of, of that, having fights, why don't y'all put put up the fight and whenever there's a fight it's on the tv up there y'all sit your asses down don't come in here with no shit seriously tell them when they come in the door the fight is on the television sit your ass down and eat your waffles <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh my gosh. Oh my That's goodness. so funny. All right, we're gonna wrap this up. Come on, Linda. Okay. Do you have anything, any last words you want to say? Tell people how to find you and all that good stuff. Oh, Linda's yes, secret yes. is y'all though. She don't want to be found, but y'all gonna find her today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this year I'm gonna be a little crazy, so I'm gonna come after you today. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyways. You can find me on on Instagram or LinkedIn, LinkedIn professionally under Linda Lynn. I don't know if you'll find me, but you can go creep on Phyllis's friends list and then type in my name. It's, her last name is L-I-N. Oh, yes. L-I-N. Yes. Not Lydia. L-I-N-D-A. And you can also find me on Instagram as well under Lynn Chen Lynn because your girl loves to eat. Just know I have double chins. Like all this, all this, Phyllis, all this goodness. That's what I should say. Flavored goodness underneath my There neck. you go. This, this baby. I used to tell people this is cookies and creams. I don't know what you're tripping on. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Oh, but yeah. yes, my my one my one advice to restaurant owners is stop being like everybody else. Stop putting Asian whatever or Mexican whatever on your menu. Just trying to be relevant. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Trust me, it's not worth it. And it's not worth the hassle of trying to source all these ingredients and pay all these extra prices for what? Uh, like clientele, a new clientele to come in and support you for a limited amount of time until the next big thing comes. I don't think so. But yeah, if you're looking for me, if you want to connect with me or you just want to talk crazy, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And Lynn and I both are brand strategists. We just come at it differently. And understanding, we want people to understand what brand strategy is because everybody understands the visual side. Now everybody thinks they understand the brand strategy side, brand strategy side, because it's like, oh, who is my ideal client? You need to know your ideal client. I hear so many people talk about that and they don't even know who their ideal client is. It's something they made up and pulled out of their ass that they don't even know how to apply. Uh, but Brand strategy is about, it's not about where you are. When you start branding, sweetie, don't brand for where you are. You brand for where you want to go. And you have to have some hard conversations with yourself if you're going to try and do this by yourself. And because you don't know what to ask yourself for where you want to be a year, two or three years down the line. If you're still going to see yourself in the same spot, but still being relevant, what do you have to do to make that happen? Passing out coupons for the next three to five years doesn't seem like it. We saw what the pandemic did. We saw how many places closed. We saw the hoops that people had to jump through buying extra equipment that they probably really didn't have any money for so that they could set up tents outside and open air seating and all this other kind of shit. We saw it. So are you even prepared for the next time something like this happens? Are you prepared and know how to hang on to the customers that you already have? The people that, that run these franchises and all of that kind of stuff, and I'm not talking about the franchisees because, yeah, they got hit hard as well. But when you figure McDonald's rakes in millions versus your few hundred thousand, unless you happen to make millions, I'm proud of you if you do. But I know... <laughs> At least half of that is gone by the time you finish with overhead insurance and cost of goods sold and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But is is with the understanding that, you know what, you can be a brand. 
you can be a relevant brand. You just have to know who are you branding to? Not an ideal client, but a, 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 an available target market. Who needs what you have? And I'm not talking about the secret sauce on your burger. I'm not talking about the 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 bullshit that that you have 20 pages of 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 a menu because you know 10 different ways to cook a hamburger patty. But it's it's what's special? What is special to you? Like if I capitalize on this special thing, I can take at least three of these things off my menu and people will be okay. Because they didn't necessarily come for the food. So with that, y'all know I got to get on up out of here. So five, bullshit happens. So suck it up. Four, your voice is important. So speak up. Three, you make the world a more beautiful place. So show up. Two, life is good. So buck up. And one, I love you and ain't a damn thing you can do about it. So shut the fuck up. Peace and hair grease, y'all. <laughs> all right brand babies we appreciate you stopping by because we know you got shit to do just remember to subscribe on your way out and bring a friend next time now in the meantime and in between time stay connected with gcb on twitter instagram and tiktok at gc brand mother you can also follow grandma's house on youtube facebook linkedin and pinterest the links are in the description so until next time, brand like it's nobody's business.